Hey folks, Lori Baltimore here with another edition of Hyperwave. Hyperwave is a philosophy podcast where I talk about the postmodern experience, also known as the hyperreal. But I've stopped doing that, and I apologize if you liked the content that I was creating, but I'm not going to do that anymore. I want to talk about real stuff, the hard-hitting issues, the real questions, as it were, okay? Um... First thing I want to talk about, I'm not really sure what I'm going to name this episode, but the first thing I want to talk about is my body odor. And this is disgusting. And if you don't want to listen to it, that's fine. But I just want to say that I'm 27. I'm a young man. And I'm starting to smell all the time. I stink. My breath. We're wearing these masks now. And maybe this is a popular topic that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about. My breath stinks all the time. And I'm doing a lot to essentially experiment to see what the fuck's going on here. I'm using a beard balm, a beard oil to make my beard smell good, okay, so that I know that it's not the rancid poo-poo particles in my beard. Uh, Breath still stinks. Something's still funky going on in my mask. So I'm essentially deep-throating my toothbrush. I have probably third-degree lacerations in my esophagus because I'm going so far down back to get whatever culprit is sitting back there. I don't know if it's a piece of meat that's been caught back there for five years. My breath smells fucking horrible. It doesn't matter how hard I brush. It doesn't matter how hard I brush or what I eat. It doesn't matter if I wash my beard. The shit smells like trash. And it's not like a stinky egg. You know, like people, like your girlfriend or your boyfriend comes over to you and you're like, your breath smells like eggs. Get away from me. It's not that. That's bad breath. What I have is more of like a halitosis. It's like, smells like garbage, like burning, dirty, rotten garbage, plus the, plus the stinky egg smell, but plus cat litter. And that is really what is scariest to me. Cat litter, kitty litter, it smells like. What the fuck is that? I'm not like a gross person. I mean, you'll have to take my word for that. I'm not a gross person. I brush my teeth every day. I work for a company that has to do with people's mouths. It's important that my teeth look good. Okay. And I take pride in my appearance. Okay. I take pride in my cleanliness. My breath smells like fucking trash, but it's going now. It's my pits. The last couple days I've got my arm stretched over my head and I'm smelling. What the hell is that? It smells like uh, it smells like laundry that has been left in the washing machine for too long, and you haven't thrown it in the dryer quick enough. Mildew, okay? It's like mildew, but it's like that. It's like a really nat. It's not like musty. It's like rotten clothes. Do you know what I mean? That's how my pits smell. I go down and sniff it. These are clean clothes, mind you. So why do they smell like rotten? And it's my fucking armpits, dude. I use Old Spice, okay? I'm not ashamed to say that. I use Old Spice antiperspirant, okay? Because I think original scent Old Spice is the manliest thing you can wear. Probably because that's what my dad wears. But whatever. So that's what I wear in my pits. And whatever's going on, it's eating through the antiperspirant. I'm not sweating, okay? The antiperspirant is doing a great job at blocking the sweat out. There's no sweat happening. Seattle Public Transportation. Love that. Okay. 
Now, it's not that I'm not sweat, or it's not that I'm sweating. Okay, the, there's no sweat. My pits are dry as a fucking bone. The antiperspirant is doing its job, but the smell—I don't know what that is. Where is that coming from? You know, it's just odd. I'm just saying, if you're, you know, a twenty-something man and you're starting to stink, we're in the same boat, compadre. I'm just saying, it's odd. It's kind of scary. And I think it's a sign of things to come. I think that I'm really starting to understand what it means to age, right? Uh, The slow decomposing of your body over time. You becoming more vital and virile as you age, right? As you hit your peak or your prime, so to speak, is an illusion. Your body is dying all the time. It's just dying. It's just taking kind of a... It's not going straight to death. You know, it's taking some detours. That's how I feel. And I'm starting to see what it would be like if I really just beelined for death. If I just was like, you know, fuck the detours, you know? Like when you choose avocado toast for breakfast and then you eat celery sticks for lunch or whatever. You know, you're like, okay, I'm not going to walk straight toward death. I'm going to take a little right-hand turn and pick a healthy option or when you're like you know i'm gonna walk home from work because i need the exercise your your walk home from work is is essentially it's literally a detour away from death you're trying to extend your life you're trying not to walk straight toward it i'm starting to feel like the odors my odor is is what it's like to beeline directly toward death rotting carcass that's what i feel like is a rotting carcass And I'm just wanting to give up because it's scary. You know, death is scary, but at the same time, it's liberating because, you know, if I just stink all the time, I can't control that, you know, and and that's, that's liberating because if it gets to a point where I just smell, then it's no, you know, fault of my own. If people don't want to hang out with me, it's because I fucking smell. doesn't matter, dude. I've got my old spice fucking deodorant. I'm doing what I can. I'm brushing my teeth. You know, I'm showering, right? I'm doing what I can do, but I'm still nasty. So it's it's out of my hands. So then it's like I can't beat myself up. I can't look down on myself. That's kind of nice. It almost would be nicer to just beeline straight toward, you know, hospice, for instance, right? Let's change the tone. Let's change the tone here, guys. Um... I want to talk about Nancy Grace because I hate her guts. Now, you're probably thinking, Dakota, you're right. She is a piece of shit, but no, I think people are going to think that I'm some sort of sexist or something, and I don't want strong, powerful, southern-accented women in positions of power and authority. That's not true, okay? Aaron Brockovich was a great movie. I liked that, okay? I loved other women in power in other situations. I like the the bald ladies in Black Panther, for instance. I like Black Widow. She's a good superhero. But I think it's important to call out Nancy Grace. My mom watched Nancy Grace all through the Michael Jackson trials, all through the Casey Anthony trials, and also all through the Scott Peterson trial. And now the reason I'm bringing up Nancy Grace really is because I rewatched the Scott Peterson trial. Okay, I thought it was very odd. Well, actually, I asked my girlfriend a question. I said, 
Do you think, and I'm probably, if a person in existence listens this far, you might disagree with what I'm saying and you might make judgments about me as a person, but it was just an honest question. I said, do you think that the guilty verdict of Scott Peterson, okay, but not Casey Anthony, is indicative of some sort of gender bias toward women, right? Like, I don't know, I'm pretty sure the statistic is that they get less time for the same crimes as men or whatever. I'm not claiming to be an expert. I'm not claiming to have some agenda or motive. I'm just, I'm, I was merely asking a question, okay? Now, she said no, and that is so my girlfriend, so I was like, that's interesting. So, I watched the Scott Peterson case. I'm sorry to tell you, Scott Peterson should not have been, he should not have been sentenced Okay, and he was given the fucking death penalty. Now, you can hate me all you want, and you can think you must just be trying to be contrarian. And I will admit, at first, I was just being contrarian. I just wanted to fuck with her a little bit. And then I watched it. I challenge you to go watch that as a rational human being. Now, they even admit several times they convicted Scott Peterson of murdering his wife and child with zero count it dude zero forensic evidence zero not a fingerprint not a piece of hair not a drop of blood there was no blood there was no forensic at all so much it was so crazy that they convicted him with such little evidence that people asked other people tell me how it happened and they were like we can't we can't tell you where she was killed we can't tell you we can't tell you anything and 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 all of these pieces of evidence seem to support you know they had a dog go down on the dock and it's apparently caught Lacey Peterson's scent but this dog was wrong 75% of the time okay it was essentially laughed out of the dog sniffing world because it was so bad at sniffing things not only that the prosecution said the prosecution said that she was transported in the boat the whole time. So how did the dog get her scent going down the fucking dock? That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Okay? One. There's a... Dude, there's so much conflicting crazy fucking evidence. Like, how are you in Scott Peterson's little tiny rickety boat? How are you going to dump a 150-pound pregnant body and four anchors that they said that he also attached to her limbs? That's too much weight. They tried to do it. They tried to recreate the situation... And a person couldn't even lift a 100-pound weight out of the boat without capsizing it. And you're supposed to believe that Scott Peterson did that with a giant body? Not even a little weight? Any? Okay, I'm getting. I'm, go, I'm going too far. What I want to say is that especially the evidence that's come out after the trial, that they didn't show in the trial, specifically because it was set up so that they could find the bad guy, because in the public's mind, Scott Peterson did it. In, lieu, in light of that evidence, I mean, it literally makes no sense that he's sitting in prison, and especially that he has the death sentence. But Nancy Grace is the devil, okay? And I mean that with the utmost respect. She is a very decorated whatever she is. Is she a prosecutor? I don't think so. I don't think that she is like a lawyeress or whatever. She's just a primetime talk show lady and the whole time with her 
or Casey Anthony, Michael Jackson, and Scott Peterson, all she did said the whole time was, they're, they're guilty. You're going to look at me right now, and you're going to tell me that Casey Anthony didn't kill her baby daughter. You know? She stirs public opinion to the point where, you know, we've foregone the innocent until proven guilty foundational value of our criminal justice system. It's subverting society. I, Nancy Grace is single-handedly subverting the justice system of the United States. Okay, you heard it here first. Lori Baltimore with the fucking realness, okay? I'm going to take a sip of Sprite. Can you hear it just in a little? Sprite. It's perfect. Mm. You know, Sprite is not great, okay? But it's better than 7-Up. It's better than 7-Up, and I am surprised that a person would buy 7-Up. That doesn't make sense to me. When's the last time you saw a person go into a store and say, Excuse me, sir, where is your 7-Up? I'd like a lemon-lime crisp soda that's not Sprite. Do you have 7-Up, sir? No. Absolutely not. And what the fuck is 7-Up? What does that even mean? Okay. Not only that, let's talk about Sierra Mist for a second. Sierra Mist, underrated. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. Sierra Mist is underrated. We had a little store. It's called Maplefields back home. Now, you could get a fountain soda for 89 cents in those days. 32 ounces. 32 whole ounces of soda for a poor child. That's a lot of soda. Okay. And you could get it on the cheap. So we'd scrounge up change. We'd go and we'd get a fountain drink from Maplefields. Now, if you take some Sierra Mist and you mix it with Powerade, you got yourself a nice little evening in store for you. That's a delicious beverage, okay? It's not low on calories. You know, that's going to come back to haunt you one day, and it haunted me pretty well. But I'm telling you what, Sierra Mist and Powerade, blue Powerade, it's going to change your life. Now, Sierra Mist is good, but it doesn't quite have the zest or branding that Sprite does. And now, I think that this brings me to the overarching point here, which is that Sprite, Sierra Mist, and 7-Up just wish that they were Mountain Dew. Right? Let's be honest. Mountain Dew's delicious, okay? Um, it's scrumptious. It's yellow. Okay, it's got a nice color to it. Um, and it's got the right amount of pop. You know, it's 100, what is it, 118 milligrams of caffeine. That's a lot of caffeine, man. That's a lot of zip. You know what I mean? Zip. That's a lot. That's going to get you going. And that's why all the neck beards and the video game kids, that's why they all drink Mountain Dew. They're not drinking energy drinks because Mountain Dew actually has the same amount of energy in it or the same amount of caffeine as a fucking Red Bull does. Isn't that crazy? It's a it's an energy drink for all intents and purposes. And that's why everybody's addicted to it. You know, people are addicted to Pepsi and Mountain Dew. Now, in my last episode, for the non-human who's never heard that, I did go over how Pepsi, does it pales in comparison to Coca-Cola. It pales. You should see my face. It's disgusting compared to Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola's perfect. Okay, it's perfect in every way. Now, Pepsi, though, 
a Coca-Cola has like 57 milligrams of caffeine in it. You can you can fact check me on that, okay? When I see numbers, I never forget them. 57 milligrams of caffeine, maybe 58, maybe 56, whatever. Now, a Pepsi has about 115, 111, 112, something like that. Same as Mountain Dew. And when you see crazy fucking weirdos who are addicted to drinking soda, they're always drinking Pepsi and Mountain Dew. They're not drinking 7-Up because 7-Up has no caffeine. Okay, now I'm ranting, but the whole point of this is that you're never going to find a better lemon-lime soda than Mountain Dew. Now, I, for one, think it's hilarious to drink Mountain Dew because it is a symbol of psychological defeat. If you were walking around holding a Mountain Dew bottle, there's a piece of you that's gone. And what you're doing is you're holding it in this Mountain Dew bottle. Do you know what I mean? It's like the eunuch, right? Did you ever watch Year One with Jack Black and Michael Sarah? Underrated movie. It's very funny. Um, it wasn't. It's not great, you know, but it was pretty funny. I mean, it was pretty good. Jack Black is also underrated. But what I want to say is there's a part where the eunuch carries his own testicles. Now, a eunuch is castrated to... I don't know, forego the power of the flesh and lust and blah, blah, blah. And they have this sort of mystic kind of understanding of the world because they're far removed from, you know, things that make them a normal person like a sex drive, right? And the joke is that he carries them in like a little fucking ball sack purse. He's like, I have my balls right here. So I think the same is true for a person who drinks Mountain Dew. You are carrying, it's not your balls. Your balls are probably bigger than ever. Okay, I'm not saying you don't have balls, but there's a piece of you you're carrying in that Mountain Dew bottle. Okay, you've lost a piece of yourself and quite possibly bargained. You know, it was lost in a bargain to the devil in a in a kind of poetic sense. You know, you, you liked staying up and playing Call of Duty all night, you know, and that turned into all day and all night. And then, what do you know? Your system linking your Xbox 360s with your buddy on the weekends. And then, God, right when you get home after school, you're on that goddamn Xbox 360 playing Halo 3 and God knows what else. You start drinking a little Mountain Dew to stay up. You know, you want to get, you want your trigger finger to be sharp, sharp, you know. And then over time, you know, your liver degrades, your semen goes away, and what you have left is, you know, you're a hollow shell of who you used to be because you've given it all up for that sweet, delicious thrill ride that is a Mountain Dew fucking caffeine buzz. You know what I mean? Cat, uh, excuse me, Mountain Dew is a symbol of failure. That's why I drink it. I think it's funny, and when people look at me, that's what I want them to see. I want them to see a loser. Do you know what I mean? And it's not, and I think it's because I I don't feel like I'm a loser, so I think it's funny to mislead people into thinking that. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, isn't my identity just made up of every other, every other person's kind of like perception of me and the story I tell myself? Whatever. Okay, maybe I am a fucking loser. But either way, I think it's funny that people think that. So yeah, I'll drink a Mountain Dew. Can you imagine seeing a person, I used to do this all the time, my stepdad did this, you remember those liters? They'd sell a liter bottle, one liter. I don't really think that they sell those anymore. They were the big, fat, wide-mouthed, 
bottles of soda. I remember those. They were they weren't even like two two twenty five two thirty like soda is now back in the day. They were like a dollar eighty, you know, good days, man. You could take the inside out. It was like a big it was like a a blue plastic thing that like kept the seal on the inside. You could like take that out and chew on it, make a bracelet out of it or whatever. Can you imagine seeing a person holding a one liter bottle of fucking Mountain Dew? Like you're in your car. I don't know what you're driving, a fucking Grand Marquis or whatever, or like a Queen Victoria, and you're fucking cruising around, you know, and you stop somewhere with your friend or your girlfriend or your wife or your mother, whoever you're with, or your husband, you know, we're progressive on this show too, whatever, and you hop out, and you lock the car, and you're walking toward wherever you're going, and you go, hey, uh, meet, hey, meet me inside. Uh, I'm going to just, I have to go uh, grab my one liter of Mountain Dew bottle. One liter. That's like 300 milligrams of caffeine, dude. You know what I mean? That's just, uh, oh, God, you've lost something, you know. But Mountain Dew is delicious, okay? And I'm going to end that with that. Mountain Dew is delicious. It's under-fucking-rated, and you should drink it because it's funny. Before... The meme runs out. I think you should um, drink Mountain Dew. I'm going to start doing this show kind of like Bill Kramer does uh, Mad Money on Fox News where he's just like talking about which so- stocks you could sell. Uh, Microsoft's going way up, 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 up. You need to cash in, blah, blah, blah. Oh, going down, down. And I'm going to just do it about memes, like meme weird shit, like eating mayonnaise because it's funny and drinking Mountain Dew because it's funny. What I want to talk about I think needs its due diligence and that is that well here's a weird story for you okay I this is a good story I think you should tune into this you should listen to this this is a fun one okay now when I was 20 I don't really know I don't remember how old I was a few years ago now I had a very traumatic drug experience I spoke about this in the last episode I'm going to tell the story because it's uh it's quackers it's cuckoo so now my buddies and i excuse me my buddy and his friend i didn't know that guy now we're on our way to go to a giant festival a big event and that's exciting because we're from the middle of nowhere and we don't do anything okay this is a good time getting out of wherever you live when you're from a really shitty small town doesn't matter where you're going or what it's for It's a good time. It's like a reason to celebrate, like a road trip, you know? So we're on our way down there, and we make a little stop at their hometown because that's away from where we live now. And the guy goes, you know, I know this guy, and he's got the best mushrooms ever. And at this time, I'm like, well, I love drugs, and drugs are good. I mean, I've pretty much sacrificed every good opportunity in my life in the pursuit of them. So, yes, I would like to get some mushrooms. Let's do that, okay? I was fresh. I had some fresh cash, okay? And it was burning a hole in my little pocket. We had a bunch of weed already. Let's get some shrooms. So we did. And they were giant. They were huge. I had done a lot of hallucinogens, a lot of them, you know, like a shitload. Probably fucked my brain up for life. But these mushrooms were crazy, okay? So... 
it takes about three hours to get where we're going. Now, at the, I'm going to say two, two hour and 20 minute point, my friend and I look at each other and we're like, hey, we're going to drop our drugs now. That seems like a good idea because we're, we're meeting up with this guy at a party and there's going to be babes there. You know, we're like, ah, let's look cool for the babes and uh, let's just have a really good time. Well, all right. Okay, cool. So we smoked a blunt and we literally chewed on some disgusting mushrooms, which for anybody who's ever had mushrooms knows that chewing them is pretty fucking gross. So that's what we did and they tasted like shit. But anyway, mushrooms typically are going to take about 45 minutes to an hour to start kicking in. Okay, and we're talking like the residual effects. You're going to start seeing like the walls breathe a little bit. You're going to feel a little weird, maybe see some color changes and shit. 20 minutes in to this shit, and I think that these things were laced with something. 20 minutes in, I'm saying quick. I was tripping my fucking nuts off. My nuts, dude. You know the Matrix thing? Like the green symbols that come down on the computer that all the really weird little Matrix kids can read? You know? that The, the, the classic Matrix script that falls down. You know what I'm talking about. That's what I was seeing. But it was the most spectacular thing I'd ever saw. It was all around me. It was just little symbols raining down with these light trails you know it was it was gorgeous it was beautiful i didn't know what the symbols were they were random gibberish to me but they were raining all down me and i was like okay wow all right i'm tripping pretty early this is an interesting occurrence and then i remember closing my eyes actually i don't remember closing my eyes that's the point and then opening them and looking at my friends and saying, holy shit, I forgot you guys were here. I was so, the trip I was going through was so intense. I had closed my eyes and my hallucinations were so vivid to me and so deep. I remembered them like a fractal. They were going down infinitely. You know, I could stare infinitely down and it would just keep changing into something else. You know, it just kept turning in on itself. It was in fucking sane, you know. I opened my eyes, I was like, holy fuck, dude, I forgot the world existed. How long was I silent for? There were like five seconds. Wow. I feel like I've lived seven lifetimes, probably. You know what I mean? I mean, I was fucking gonzo. I was fucked. And then I started to get very confused. And this is when my buddy looks at me and he goes, oh shit, man. Jesus do you have to drive something that loud? We need quieter vehicles in the world. Okay, I'm a young guy. I'm hip to the fucking scene. If you want to have your muscle car and brap all down the road, that's fucking great. But there needs to be more quiet streets, guys. Trucks and vans, they need to be quieter. It's, it's bedlam out here with the noise pollution crazy garbage trucks have you ever been behind a garbage truck have you ever been i don't know four miles away from a garbage truck and still fucking hurt it god damn it anyway my buddy whose balls deep tripping like i am who's had not even close to as many hallucinogenic experiences at me as me looks at me like i'm looking at a fucking ghost like a skeleton is looking at me <laughs> excuse me like a skeleton is looking at me. I couldn't see his skin. 
It just looked like a bone. It just looked like bones to me. He was lifeless. He was fucking lifeless, okay? And he goes, holy shit, dude. And I was like, what? Dude, I'm freaking the fuck out. And I was like, oh my god. We are a half hour into this trip. And these shrooms are so strong. I don't know how long this is going to last. Eight, nine, ten hours. I'm like, holy fuck, buddy. We are in for it. And you're telling me you're freaking out already? We haven't peaked. We haven't even begun to peak. Okay? So I put my hand on his shoulder. And I could have taken a shower in the sweat that was on my hand. I could have bathed in it. The guy was sweating through his fucking shirt. It was horrifying. I felt so bad for him. He was white as a ghost, man. And I'm like, Doug, excuse me. I'm using the name Doug as a cover um, for his real name. So I said, dude, you know, are you all right? And he goes, dude, I forgot my name. What the fuck is my name, man? And I was like, oh, fuck. He was like, dude, where do I live? Where the fuck do I live? Dude, where the fuck? What the fuck, dude? What? Like, starts freaking out, you know? And he's like, where are we? Where, Dude, I don't know who I am. Like, what the fuck is happening, dude? Like, what, what what's going on? And then, okay, you don't even want to hear that from a sober person. Let alone balls deep on mushrooms with another person balls deep on mushrooms. When you're hours and hours away from home, stuck in a little car, in the middle of a fucking snowstorm. Because that's what it's like where I'm from. It's always snowing. It was scary, okay? And I'm like, okay, this is your name. This is where you're from. This is what we're doing. And he was like, did I take a drug? And I was like, yes, you did. You took mushrooms. We took mushrooms a little while ago. You need to relinquish control, and you need to just write it out, bud. Okay, now, I'm trying to be the sitter here because I have the most hallucinogenic experience. I'm still holding my shit together, but I got to say I'm kind of freaked out now. This is my whole mood is gone. I don't feel good about this anymore, and I know that there's no turning back, and I think that that's the thing about drugs, you know? Once you know that there's no turning back, that's when the fear sets in, and because you have this lack of control, you know that you are out of control, and you fear that this will be your life forever, you know? That's like the big fear. This is going to be like this forever, and I got to tell you, it was not long until I started to think that. I'm going to be dead honest with you. I was fucking started to freak out. But in my mind, you know, outward I was stoic, but inside I was, like, really fucked up. So, before I go any further into my own personal hallucinations, here's what happened. We got to where we were going, and, well, we go to this dude's apartment we're trying to meet up with, and he's not home. He doesn't answer the door. Now, if a sober person had driven three hours to meet up with a person and they weren't home and they weren't answering their calls, you'd be pretty upset. You would be very, very upset. Rightfully so. And you would also be very quizzical and pensive. You'd be like, hmm, what the fuck? Have I been slighted by my friend? Or did he forget? Or am I totally mistaken? Is this not happening tonight? And I've fucked it all up in my head? I don't know. Now, when you're on mushrooms, that type of attitude of what the fuck is going on is sent to this level that's out of the universe. I mean, it is... You are like, what the fuck? This is not right. God, I don't feel good. I'm scared. You know, because it's not that, like, you know, 
you don't know what's going on now. It's holy fuck, dude. I don't know what's going on at all. And I'm scared now. I'm like, I'm, I'm terrified. So what do we do? We got in the car and we drove to Walmart because when in doubt, go to Walmart. I mean, really, that is like the American way. If you don't know what to do, go to Walmart and go look at stuff. Or if you need a place to sit for a little while, drive to Walmart, sit in the parking lot. It's a good place, you know? Um, so we sat there for, I don't know what seems like a million years. It was probably 20 minutes. And the driver of the car, my buddy's buddy, I didn't like him that, that much. He goes, well, I want to take mushrooms too now. And we were like, well, Doug... Uh, was sitting there and he was like didn't say anything I mean he was petrified he was totally fucked you know his brain was shitting out of his ears and I was like I mean you can take your shrooms but we cannot leave this parking lot okay because if you drive we will die and this is how people who take drugs die in health class I think every little smart ass kid when they're talking about drugs and they're um, drawbacks, you know, you're talking about heroin and crack and coke and shit, and you're like, okay, clearly this fucks you in the end, but then they get to hallucinogens, and you're like, what is the drawback of this, and they're like, well, you know, it can unlock some mental illness, and this and that, but what you hear as a little kid is, there's really no drawbacks, okay, so you probably have a particular affinity for it, you know, and you see movies where it's portrayed as like a oh, you're seeing cartoons, and it's like you're in a fucking colorful wonderland and shit. So even as a kid, you're kind of primed to like hallucinogens, right? So I have 100% lost the thread of where I was going, but I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So in, in so this is what the health teacher really meant to say, is that you will get so confused, you will kill yourself. And you won't know because you won't know what's going on. And that's what I told him. I was like, this is what you, this is what they told us in health class. I said that to him. Exactly. I was like, it's idiots like you who think that they can drive when they're fucking, fucking fucked up like that. They get in a fucking car crash because you're seeing Looney Tunes on the side of the road. You're the reason. We're going to be on the fucking front of the paper dead. I'm going to die hours away from my home I will never speak to my mother again because at this time I didn't have a phone I was I grew up very poor I didn't have a phone I will never talk to my mom ever again dude and you're gonna kill me tonight is what I told him if you drive from this parking lot he was like dude I'm not gonna drive don't worry about it I was like then fucking drop your shrooms bitch and let's get this party started in the Walmart parking lot and that's what we did for I don't know how long. We sat there for a good while. We listened to some Big L. Um, Lifestyles of the Rich and Dangerous. Is that what it is? It's Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous. Uh, whatever that album is, very good. All Black. Listen to the song All Black by Big L. And if you don't think that that is the best rap punchlines ever, I don't know who you are. I still don't know who you are. But, I mean, that's just crazy. Anyway. We listened to some Big L. We're having a good time. We kind of got a little more positive vibe. And then he goes, you know, the shrooms aren't hitting me that hard. I think we should go back to try to find the guy. Maybe he's home now. And I was like, well, is he answering his phone? He said, no, he's not. 
So I said, he probably doesn't want to fucking see us, dude. Let's be real. Okay, it's not going to happen. Let's just sit in the parking lot and go home when we're done tripping. And, uh, he insisted. So I said, well, I want you to know that this is my first night knowing you, and I don't like you, and you're going to kill me tonight, so thanks a lot for that. Um, and fuck you. And I was actually thinking of taking my buddy and I, I was thinking of ripping him from the car, and flagging down a stranger for help to call 911 because we were fucked up on shrooms, which I still think I really should have done, but I didn't want to get in trouble. And that's probably, that's part of the stigma of drugs. That's why we need to legalize things like that, because I would have sought help if I wasn't scared of, of you know, whatever could have happened. We had a shitload of weed in the car, you know. Um, and I was like, dude, I'm going to fucking run. And I'm just going to say, somebody please help me. I'm freaking the fuck out. My buddy and I are on drugs and we don't know what to do. Please help us. I didn't end up doing that. So this is when the story takes its first very wild turn. Well, first, third wild turn. So we get back to this guy's place. Okay, we park the car. I'm, I can't believe we're alive. I have been spending the last 20 minutes having a conversation, not having a conversation with, watching a conversation between Lucifer and God. That's what it was. And that conversation that I watched has actually informed a lot of my spiritual understanding to this fucking day. I mean, it was in the terror of my soul. I was, I was making amends with God and I was, I was sorting my life out. I mean, like that's how close to death I really felt I was. I was in fucking terror and I was watching this conversation between God and the devil, and it was just fucking mind-blowing to me. But anyway, it was interrupted by getting to where we were going. A small sigh of relief, I guess. And we get out, and we go up to the door, and we sneak in. You know, why the fuck not at this point? We sneak in. And, well, we're walking through this empty, dark apartment where nobody looks like they're home. Just three dudes walking into this person, this guy's apartment. Well, a door opens and a young woman is there and she says, who the fuck are you guys? And we said, we're the fucking devil and we're here to do the devil's work. And we fucking killed. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, she was like, who the fuck are you guys? And we were like, where the fuck is Dave? And she was like, dude, no fucking Dave lives here. Get the fuck out of my apartment. Right. Fucking that. You know, she started freaking out. So we ran, dude. We ran. Okay. My sigh of relief is gone. I'm very scared again. Now I'm thinking the cops are going to come. She's going to call the cops. I'm sitting in the driveway. And I'm thinking, I'm while well, I'm talking to this guy, and I'm like, dude, can we stop driving? Please. Please. Can we just sit in this driveway, please, and just try to sleep? God, dude, can we just sit in one place, man? That's going to be the safest thing. Duh. He's freaking out, dude. Like, he's shaking. He is fucked. Like, what are we doing, dude? And he goes, you know what? I'm actually just going to drive home. So you can either stay here and try to find a place to stay out here where we are. Or you can ride home with me. Well, those seem like options, but they're not. I don't have a choice. I must go home with you. And now the terror really has set in because it's a good three hour drive back this guy is 
fucking waste. It might have been a six-hour drive. It might have been a six-hour drive. I know it was a very, very long drive. But either way, he has signed a death sentence for me, which is not really that great. Not a good time. Um, My buddy is freaking the fuck out. And I said, great. You are balls deep tripping on shrooms, and you think it's a good idea to drive three hours home balls deep. I can't even see. I am tripping so hard. I can't tell between what is in the real world and what my hallucinations are right now. That's how fucking thick my hallucinations are, dude. That's how, like, the fact that you think you could drive is mind-blowing to me. Unless my friend and I got super dosed and you um, are just normally fine. Which, honestly, now, this is literally a theory I'm entertaining for the first time ever. It's possible, because this guy knew the drug dealer, that he somehow got us dosed as fuck. And that he was okay. You know what I mean? And that is even more sinister. Um, so, we said, okay, well, we're gonna die tonight, so thanks. Um, glad I'm never gonna see my mommy again. You know, when you are on, when you at least really feel I mean like you are convinced that you were you were about to die I mean convinced in your soul not like it's a it's a real possibility it's like I'm convinced that I'm gonna die it I I have I'm sold on that okay you I really believe that that's why my mom and I ended up really making amends because she'd kicked me out because I was I mean I was a piece of shit you know she'd kicked me out I was homeless for a while and I think that's why we made amends is because of that night. I seriously had an entirely new perspective on so many things, um, including God, you know, like in all of that stuff. My immortal soul was up for conversation here, you know. But anyway, um, okay, I'm having some horrifying trips. My buddy in the front seat is losing his fucking mind, doesn't know what his name is, where he's from. Where's cock is, you know? And you got fucking Chipper McGee just driving along, twiddling a fucking tune, listening to whatever he wants on the radio, having a great time. Well, I don't know. Some time had passed. I don't, I'm not exactly sure how long it had been. Maybe a few hours. Okay. Well, we are driving, and I remember not really falling asleep, but going to another place I think I'd tried to escape reality to the point of kind of passing out and in a way but not really sleeping I was I almost I just had retired to another dimension so to speak and uh I remember coming to for a second becoming lucid and my seatbelt was so uncomfortable and I had been sitting down for so long I was like maybe I should just lie down in the back seat um but then I closed my eyes and and sat there because, you know, I figured that it wouldn't be a good idea to take my seatbelt off if I really felt like I was in danger, you know? Well, <laughs> wouldn't you know it that the next time I came to, I was rolling down a hill inside of a car. We rolled down a hill in the car in the middle of a fucking snowstorm, dude. Balls deep on mushrooms. After I'd had the most terrifying experience of my whole life, if the cherry on top was 
almost me- literally almost meeting my maker and I was given the choice in that fucking instant dude to take off my seatbelt and if I would have done that and lied down in the back seat I would be fucking dead today how crazy is that I mean I know how crazy that is like to the point where I have some really bad shit that happened from that day like really bad anxiety disorder and panic attacks and stuff that I didn't have until you know, that experience I ended up having a nervous breakdown six months later, actually, because of that. But, I mean, how fucking crazy is is it that I am alive right now? It was an instant. I could have thought, maybe you'll sleep better if you just lie down. And you shouldn't worry so much, and it's going to be okay. He's been driving fine for a while. Don't worry about it. If I would have taken my seatbelt off, I would be fucking dead. How? That is just... Oh, my God. Fucked. So... Well, we get out of the car. Nobody's hurt. That's the craziest thing about it. The car was 100% totaled. Could not be driven. It couldn't be towed, actually. It had to be put onto a bed because the wheels wouldn't spin. I mean, this thing was torn the fuck apart. Okay, all of our drugs had flown out the window. Everything was gone. Well, we're standing there in the middle of a a snowstorm in the middle of nowhere. I cannot stress that enough to you. In the middle of fucking nowhere having no idea when a person will come. And we stood across the street and we just looked at the car because we were like, what the fuck just happened? I mean, we couldn't really comprehend what was happening. And it was honestly after like 15 minutes that the dude who was driving looked at the car and goes, holy shit, that's my car. What the fuck? Did we crash? what the fuck is going on? He starts freaking out. My fucking car, you know? And, you know, my buddy and I are, like, wide-eyed, just looking at it. Like, what the fuck did we just go through? Like, what the fuck, man? Like, we couldn't believe it. And now, you can believe me or not. When we went to find his drugs, because we were going to call the cops, and we didn't want there to be drugs there. So, when we looked for his drugs... I looked, dude, at my side of the back seat where I was sitting. I was sitting on the passenger side in the back seat. And I swear to God, on my fucking life, man, that, that like, curved piece from the roof that comes down to meet the trunk that is the frame of the window, there was this just giant fucking dent in it. This, I mean, it was giant. I mean... We had smashed into whatever fucking tree, man, and that thing destroyed the frame of that car right there. And it was right where my fucking head was, man. I mean, it's crazy to me that, like, I could look at that. Like, what? it's crazy to me, you know, because that's so far away from my life right now. That is so, that is a distant memory now. I mean, this is a story that I tell about my life to people, you know. Because they think it's... I mean, usually when I tell this story, people are like, holy fuck. You know? It's a distant story. It's not It's not real in a real sense, in the sense that it's here right now. It is only remembered in the stories that I tell about it. And what a fucking tale. That is crazy. And I mean, maybe too, you've heard crazier stories. I mean, me going through that, it literally was a turning point in my life. To the point now where... I've kind of split up my life between before and after that moment. That's how crazy it was, you know? What a fucking tale. 
Now, that all brings me, this is a long episode, but this all brings me to uh, essentially what I was going to say before this story, which is that I think intervention is actually does a very good job at, at campaigning for the drugs that they're trying to get people to stop using, okay? I'm not being insensitive. I think the opioid crisis is horrible. I am, in a sense, a victim of it, um, you know, adjacent, victim adjacent. And what I'm just saying is that when I'm having anxiety attacks and I'm having um, just weeks where I really feel like I'm losing my mind, right, because there's so much chatter in my brain, I look at those dudes or those gals nodding off on OxyContin and I just think, God, that looks awesome. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm being serious. Like, I wish I felt like that. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying I wish I was a drug addict and that I'm making light of their their problems. I'm saying I wish I felt like that. Sue me, you know? And I'm just saying, recently I've been thinking, like, heroin would be kind of awesome probably to take. And I kind of understand why a person would want to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's attractive to me. The idea of just essentially being in physical orgasm for eight hours asleep. You know, because sleep is just the mini death, right? Sleep is people who love to sleep, myself included, and I also believe people who love to be fucked up on drugs, myself included back in the day, really want death. That's a simulation of death. Um, because life, I'm not going to say it's too hard or something. It's just sucks. You know, you just don't, you are trying to opt out of it. You know, you're symbolically opting out of life for whatever reason. Some people say it's for cowardice. I don't think it's from cowardice. I think it's because of a feeling of total loss of control. You have no control over your destiny, no control over what you're doing, where you're going, how your life is going to end up. You know, you don't see a light at the end of the road. So you don't want to really kill yourself. You do want to live. You just want to live by your terms, man. And so you sleep a lot, you know, because you're just over it. You just want to sleep. You'd rather just be idle, present, present, you know, present there, but idle, devoid of your mental chatter, devoid of dilemmas and thoughts, problems, issues, problems to solve, conflicts, you know, shit like that, expectations, anticipations, judgments, all of that, you just want to be idle, you want to be present, but you don't want to have those things, same with drugs, right, now, Oxycontin seems fucking awesome, God, and you know, I want to try it just to see but the thing is that ever since that mushroom trip, I actually can't even really, like, take Tylenol. And if I do take Tylenol, I have to check the um, I have to check the design or the number or the little code on the front of it and make sure it matches the bottle. And then I have to read over the bottle to make sure that it's not... I, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't know. So when I eat snacks at work, if somebody offers me a snack at work or food... I'd have to read the entire label to make sure it, it doesn't say it contains marijuana because I'm so scared of getting dosed. I'm so scared of being high. Yeah. After that mushroom trip, I never smoked weed again. And I had been smoking 
every single day, all day for the last five years before that. I remember thinking, I don't know how I could spend my life or I don't, I don't, I can't imagine a time when I could live without smoking weed. I can't imagine myself like that because it's so ingrained into my identity and my experience now. And then I had such a horrible experience. I never smoked weed again after that. Well, excuse me. I smoked weed until my nervous breakdown, which happened, I think, a few months later. But after that nervous breakdown, I never touched weed again. What a fucking crazy shit, crazy thing. But, and then the other thing, on a more humorous note, the most attractive thing about doing the Oxycontin is having an intervention. I haven't seen my family in years. I live too far away, and everybody's too poor to visit me, and I'm too cheap to fly them out here. I haven't seen a person that I grew up with in three years. I have only, I only live around and talk to new people. I haven't seen a a person from my life in such a long time. My family, my best friend, you know? So it's like, the, the nicest thing is everybody shows up to help you quit. I almost want to, you know, do Oxycontin just for the, you know, just for the good ride and the family. It's like a fucking Papa John's commercial. <laughs> Excuse me. I know that that is loud. I don't have that thing that blocks that out when I breathe into the mic. I'm sorry. But yeah, it sounds like a fucking Papa John's commercial, man. You know? Well, all right, guys. Um, that's it. That's Hyperwave for this episode. If you listened this long, you probably are so... You're such a fucking loser. Follow me on Twitter. um, At Baltimore Lori. B-A-L-T-I-M-O-R-E. L-O-R-I. Or you could just search Hyperwave. Not sure if it's one word or two. But it's all capital, I'm pretty sure. You can find that there. I want to thank... there's a person in France who's listened to literally, all, I think, every episode that I've ever made. Uh, Clich Il Dei or something like that. Um, so I just want to say thank you or uh, merci, as it were. Um, I hope you still tune in. I hope you listen to everything I make still, man. Um, or lass. Listen to that. Listen how fucking loud that is. Um, hey, reach out. If you can get me on... on uh, on Twitter, I would love to talk to my literally got to be my only fan out there. What a concept. All right, guys, do me a favor. Keep it real. Don't do anything stupid. We'll be waiting for you here. <laughs>